today. Help us to see him. May the eyes of our heart be enlightened to know him, the source of everything we hope for, long for. I pray for the children here and the sitting here that they'll see Jesus today. They'll hear Jesus. I pray for the oldest people here like myself that we will hear and see Jesus. And for everyone today, it'll be a day where they'll go away with something, Jesus, that you gave them, which will draw them to your heart and to the Father's heart and to the Holy Spirit's presence. Amen. So this morning we're talking about being the good soil. We've moved from the hard-hearted soil to hard soil. We looked at the person who believes, but then when things get hard, they jump ship. And then last week we looked at a divided heart, somebody who's really in the push and pull of the cares and concerns of the world. It chokes out the vital relationship with God because they're so worried, they're so anxious, they're so needy. Um, and they constantly are pulled to trying to control their world. I know we all struggle with that, myself included. I'm a recurring control freak. And you're, my wife will tell you that. I love to be in control. I love to drive the car. I love to be in control. So when you're trying to control your world and let God be in your life, here's what happens to you, okay? Uh, God is useful to you. Uh, you are using your faith to serve your entrance, interest. And so somebody who's in the soil of the cares and concerns of the world, here's how you pray. You might not say it, but here's the way you live. My kingdom come, my will be done, as I hope it's being done in heaven. Okay, so my kingdom come, my will be done. The good soil is very different because God is not useful to you. He is beautiful to you. So that's a big difference. If you're in fertile soil, you are captured, consumed by the beauty of Christ. Read Psalm 27 this afternoon. You got some time before you watch NASCAR or watch golf or whatever you wanna do today. Just look at Psalm 27 and read what David says. He says, my deepest desire is to dwell in the temple of the Lord and gaze upon his beauty. If God is beautiful to you, you're good. You're ready to go. You're fertile ground. So when the seed is sown, it's like, this is what I want to know. I want to know how beautiful God is. I want to know how perfect he is in all of his ways for my life. God is beautiful to me. And here's the way C.S. Lewis talks about it. People who are followers of God, of Jesus, who are just using God to serve their interests, that when they're prayers, it's all petitions. It's all requests. God, bless Sally, bless Joe, bless this person. I need a raise. Help me pay this bill. Your praying is always like, God, help me with this. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but someone who knows God is who he is and what he's committed to us, your prayer life is full of worship, of praise. So here's one of the ways you could even think about and hear the challenge is, what would it look like if your prayer time, when you do pray, you said, okay, I've got 10 minutes. I'm gonna spend five minutes just in worship. Give thanks to the Lord. Um, praise the Lord, oh my soul, all that is within me. Praise his holy uh, uh, presence in my life and forget none of his be benefits. Now listen to what David says there. All that is within me, praise his holy name and forget his benefits. Friends, if you would walk away out of here this Sunday and say, hey, I'm gonna make a commitment now 
to not just be thinking about me first, but I'm gonna spend the time just in worship and praise and get on that journey and really work at it from the standpoint of here's the way my Savior lived, here's what it means to be wholehearted, is to be a person who lives their life in worship. So I, I have, you know, when you get older, you have a number of doctors you go to, right? So I got this doctor, this doctor, this doctor, because I'm getting old, okay? So I have one of my doctors I go to check in with, and there's a nurse there. His name is Sterling. So, uh, you know, I walk in the office, and I've gotten to know him because I have I've had to go to see this specialist uh, more times than I want to admit and uh, I'll walk in and say, hey, Sterling, how are you this morning? And he'll look at me and go, I'm amazing. What? <laughs> now, he smiles when he says that. So I want you to practice this this week. Here's your sermon application. All right? When somebody asks you this week, where's Bailey? There she is. Bailey, how are you? I want you to say, I'm amazing. I'm amazing. All right, Lily, when somebody asks you this week, how are you? I want you to say, I am amazing. Can you say that with integrity, with hope? Now, Sterling knows Jesus, but is grace amazing? Come on, church, is it? Yes, it is amazing. You know why you are amazing? Because God has shown you his unconditional mercy and love in a way that you got more than you could ever ask for. So if I say to you, how are you? And you go, I'm amazing, I go, preach. <laughs> bring it, you know, wow. That interaction went from, uh, how do most people, when you say, how are you, they'll say, I'm fine, right? You know what fine stands for? If you're in addiction recovery, it stands for foul, insecure, okay, neurotic and exhausted, okay? So when anybody says to me, I say, how are you? And they go, fine, I go, how tired are you? <laughs> you know? Do you know what fine stands for? Foul, insecure, neurotic, exhausted. Versus, I am amazing. Because God has loved me so perfectly, I can't wait to talk to you. And let's talk together, and let's gossip the gospel. Let's gossip about Jesus. You ever been in a gossip session with somebody about Jesus where it's not about trying to out, it's not competition, you go, hey, did you hear what God did here? Did you see this insight into the scriptures? Do you know what this feels like? And all of a sudden, you're in this sweet conversation with somebody where you're in fertile soil. The seed has been sown. The heart's being stirred up. So in England during the 19th century, the gospel was so powerful in this part of England, rather than me walking up to Mark and say, Mark, how are you? I'd walk up to Mark and say, Mark, any joy? So here's another way to answer that question. Rather than saying I'm amazing, <clears throat> if you talk to me, if you send me an email this week, or even after church, just come up after church and say, Clyde, any joy? See, that, that's a barometer. That's a way of saying, how are you really doing? My mentor uh, was talking about a group of elders, and they were looking at an elder candidate and uh, my mentor said to the other elders, I'm not sure he's ready to be an elder because his lack of joy. You see, the giveaway to being fertile ground is where is your joy? Where is it? 
Do you have joy? At the heart of the gospel is, is that there would be incredible joy. Jesus says, the same joy that the Father gave to me, I'm giving to you, and no one can take that joy from you. I was working with this man from Statesville at a men's conference, and, um, and we were just talking about how bitter and angry his story was. Um, so here, here's a little bit of his story. He was... Uh, 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 a few years ago, his brother uh, was killed in Statesville, and they still don't know what happened and who killed him. People broke into his house, killed his brother. Uh, his son uh, moved to Minneapolis and started a business up there, went to Orlando, Florida. He was in that nightclub where a guy came in and shot all these people. His son was a part of that in that group and got killed on vacation in Orlando. And he just kept going and he kept going with all this devastation in his life. And at some point, I just kind of said to him, do you know where joy is in this story for you? You know how Jesus wants to give you joy in the midst of all this sadness and loss? And he kind of shook his head and, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how to find joy. I... And I said, and I said to him, because he was an African-American brother, and in, in African-American culture, this will resonate more than here. But I said, brother, don't let the devil steal your joy. <laughs> and he just started weeping. Because here's what happens, like in soil number two. Um, when hardship comes, things come in, the devil goes, see, God doesn't really love you. He doesn't care about you. Look at what's happened to you. Look at what your life's become. Look at all the unpaid bills. Look at the problems. Look at the prognosis. Tomorrow I'm going to visit uh, a good friend of mine in Greensboro who he and his wife attended church here for a while. They know some people here. Um, and he has this uh, slow cancer that's killing him. Uh, a lung cancer kind of thing. He was a mechanic for American Airlines. He was around a lot of chemicals. So he's, he's dying. He's dying. Um, and, uh, and I went to see him a few weeks ago. Just said, brother, how are you doing? They've, they lived here. They've moved back to Greensboro where their daughters are. And uh, he had so much joy. Wow. How do you have joy when you know your body's falling apart, your, your back is killing you, you're constantly coughing all day long, you have one hour a day that's basically good, and you go, how does that happen? Now, if you're fertile soil, you know how it happens, and if you don't know Jesus, you're kind of clueless at this point, and you're going to get lost. And it's not going to make sense, and it might actually make you mad. <laughs> and some of you know this... Uh, saying the truth will set you first, but first of all, it's going to make you really mad, okay? And if you hear the truth of God and it makes you mad, that's a good sign that the Holy Spirit's helping you feel something that lets you know, I got some anger here. I've got some things I need to deal with. So if the truth of God, the truth of the call to be fertile soil is making you upset this morning, Welcome! <laughs> You're in a great place. You're in a great place to meet Jesus this morning, through the word, through the table, through the worship. You're in such a good place because Jesus can handle your anger. He can handle your disappointment. Um, I, I will tell you more of this story at some point, but um, 
uh, as a young pastor, I was caring for a man who was dying of cancer, and it was awful. It was ugly. I mean, the cancer was ravaging his body, and I went to see him at Duke Hospital, um, and uh, he was really sick. And like so often, when you go into situations where people are really suffering, you go in kind of dreading it. What can I say? What am I going to do? Am I going to be enough? Whatever. And inevitably, here's what happens. The person you're going to see ministers to you. <laughs> you know, and so here is this guy named John Bryce. And John is in the hospital, and he's so glad to see me, uh, but he's so sick. And I said, John, how are you doing? He said, Clyde, I had this most amazing experience last night. And I go, really? Well, tell me about it. He said, you know, I got up in the middle of the night, I went and I started throwing up in the toilet, and I'm going, oh, gross, you know. I'm throwing up in the toilet. You know, look at me. I used to weigh 220, now I'm 165. I lost all this weight. And he said, I stumbled back, and I put my hands up against the door to hold myself up. And he said, Clyde, while I was doing that, I realized this is what Jesus did for me. He spread out his arms for me, and he suffered so that I would know he's here with me and Jesus met me last night. Wow, talk about joy. Talk about, and he just had this big smile and he had the best smile on his face. So you know if you're fertile soil, if this is what's going on, how do you know that you're good soil? Is right now, is what I've been talking about, you wanna hear more, you're receptive. Jesus says, he who hears the word receives it, okay? You, you're hearing it, and you're going, say more. My curiosity's peaked. I want to understand this more for who I am, because guess what? FOMO. I'm missing out on so much, because I'm so stinking stubborn. You know, my wife loves me very much. We've been married way too long, because she knows me too well, and she'll call me out. She'll just say something like, you're still so stubborn. Now, she doesn't say that to sort of whack me on the head. She's saying that because she loves me. And she can see that I'm just being a jerk again in Jesus' name. But, you know, I'm being stubborn, you know. Um, but when, when the word of God is working, when Jesus is working and it rebukes you, you go, yeah, thank you for telling me the truth. It hurts, it might make me really mad that it's true, but Jesus, I've been here before. And like my mentor, seminary professor said, when he hears the gospel, he'll say, he said, I think I remember forgetting this before, okay? Um, so if you're hearing something again, don't be discouraged, this is actually good news because the shepherd is pursuing you and wants you to be back in that just wonderful place where your life is rich with the things of God so you're like that fertile soil that you just put a seed in and, and boom it pops up and you start to grow so it makes you receptive and then the next thing it really does is that it begins to help you want to receive more of it so I'm going to go back to my friend John Bryce he played football at Wake he was uh, uh, a nose tackle on defense, had the record for a long time as the most individual tackles um, at Wake, and he was the captain of the team. So he would go out to midfield, so whoever Wake Forest was playing, they'd toss the coin up and say, 
captain of the black and gold, you won the toss, what will you do? And John would go, okay, that's the gesture. So those of you listening online, I'm pulling my hands, I'm pulling them to my chest, okay, right now. And what John was saying is we will receive, all right? So we're gonna practice this today, church, all right? Jesus has won the ultimate victory. At the cross and the resurrection, he won the ultimate victory over your story. He has won the victory for you. So what will you do? Let's practice. We will receive. Let's try that again. He's won the ultimate victory. What will you do? We will receive. Okay? So you're in fertile soil when not only are you listening and you hear it, you go, teach me, help me to learn this. You're teachable. And this is part of God healing your heart when you're willing to ask for help. Now, most of the sisters here are more than willing to say help me. For guys like me and you, men, this is the real struggle because we're doing life on our own. We're trying to figure it out on our own. We're too proud to ask for help. So I was thinking about we should develop some North Cross swag so that if you come to church here, you have a little thing on the front of your church that says North Cross Church, really cool. Um, and uh, it says North Cross Church, no fear, no guilt in life, no fear in death. Cool. But on the back of the t-shirt, it says, I need help. Because <laughs> isn't that the gospel? This is, when you're, this is how you can know you're fully alive to the gospel. You're not trying to do it by yourself. You're not hiding. You're not running away. You're not pretending. You're saying, I need help. I don't know how I got here. We're going to sing this beautiful song, Jesus Strong and Kind, this morning, where the last line it says, and when you are lost, Jesus says, I will come to you. The first few verses say, if you're afraid, come to me. If you need this, come to me. But notice the last stanza. We'll sing it at communion. But when you are lost, Jesus said, I will come to you. And he's coming to you right now. He's saying, I am here to shepherd you out of the craziness of your life, the sadness, the brokenness, the loneliness, because I want to restore your joy. I want to tell you how amazing you really are. So um, uh, another one of my mentors, he's walking with his wife, and his wife was a serious student of Scripture, just really worked hard at getting it right, being it right, doing it right, but she was miserable following Jesus. She was miserable because she could never do enough, read enough, memorize enough. And so, uh, so he's walking with his wife. They're walking around a lake. They used to walk around. And finally he turned to her and said, you know what, Rosemary? You hear the words of the gospel, but you don't hear the music. You see, if your relationship with Jesus has no music, go home today, sit down, put on the Hallelujah Chorus, the Handle the Messiah, and just listen to the whole Messiah. Here's how you know your fertile ground, is not only is the truth becoming real to you, it is so expressive artistically, art, music, you read things, everything starts to point you to a savior who reveals his grace through movies, TV shows, books, poetry, whatever, but primarily through this book, he lets you know, I've got this. I've got you and I've got it if you will let me shepherd you through this process. See, that's, 
That's how you know your fertile soil. Because what begins to happen for you is this, is that you begin to want to share with other people. So first of all, you recognize the value of it, then you become receptive to it, and then you want to give it away by reproducing it, by thinking it through. How do I do, how do, I do this? How do I help people? <coughs> how do I help my children uh, understand this truth? We talked about this in the Sunday school class that we just started. It won't meet next Sunday, but the following Sunday, about mercy. So here's a, here's a good parenting principle. Some of you, like me, have children and grandchildren, so how do I parent my grandchildren? So <clears throat> it looks like this, is that when you see your grandchild acting out and doing what he should not do or, you know, what the he shouldn't do or what he should do, What's your instinct? I want to show him what's right. I want to help him get it right. Uh, for parents, you see your daughter just not being who you know she is. And so here's the question for your parenting, grandparenting. Would you rather be right or would you rather be loving? Would you rather be right or would you rather be loving? There's no wrong, nothing wrong with being right. But here's how it works. When you're loving, you want to apply the right in a way that your child feels loved with you, by you when you're administering that discipline. They might not hear it, but they sense your heart for their heart, and they know, oh, Papa really cares about me. He cares enough to ask me, why am I doing that? But he's saying it to him in a way that he says this. You know what? Papa cares about me. So that, to my grandkids, I'm Papa C. I'm Papa, all right? So at my 70th birthday party, uh, my kids got up and said a lot of nice things. My grandson, Rex, who's now nine, my oldest grandkid, um, he got up and he said, basically, Papa gets me. Papa gets me. When I was putting Rex to bed a few nights before that birthday party, Rex looked at me and he says, Papa, you're different. You're different. So for the parents here, do they see the difference Jesus is making in you by the way you relate to them? For the grandparents here, do your grandchildren go, oh, Valerie's Oma, Oma, you really do delight in me. You do love me. Why are you this way? What's going on here? See, that's the fertile ground that we're talking about here. We're talking about that the gospel begins to flow into us, that we want to reproduce it. We want to give it away. We want people to know, oh, this is what it looks like. So here's what fertile soil looks like, is that when somebody reaches, and let's just say you're a spigot and they're thirsty, when they turn that spigot on, it's like water is coming out. When you're not fertile soil, people try to get some water. You're just dry as a bone. There's no water coming out of the spigot. Or here's another way to think about it. You know, being a follower a Christian, being a follower of Jesus is really hard. It's very difficult to say I'm amazing if you're not in fertile ground. Even if you're in fertile ground, it's still hard. It's very difficult. As a matter of fact, not only is following Jesus difficult, it is impossible. <laughs> That's the way Jesus set it up. You can't do this unless you let me create within you a clean heart, make you into a fertile person who knows how to hear these things and say, say more. 
I, I want to know more. I, help me understand it. Help me see what I cannot see. But for many people, and this is what Flannery O'Connor, some of you know, a great Southern writer, said, we live in a Christ-haunted South. She looks at the church and she says, the church is haunted by Jesus. Wow, what is, that? what is she talking about? She's saying basically what Paul says, you have a form of godliness, but you do not know the power of God. Paul said, watch out for people who have a form of godliness. They're almost like zombies. They're almost like haunted people. They say all the right things, they pray all the right things, but there's no power to do what? To say, I need help. See, you're never gonna see a greater miracle than a proud man or woman, grandparent or child saying, Dad, help me. I can't do this by myself. That is fertile ground. The more you ask for help, the more you go low so that Jesus can get high. You will become a different person in that process. You will be transformed by the beauty of the gospel and you'll stop being a whiner and a complainer and a petitioner. You'll become a person of praise, a person who worships and says, wow, I just didn't know Jesus was this good. I didn't know it was this powerful. I didn't know it was this real. And can I tell you about it? Could I love you in a way so that when you love people, they look at you and go, you're different. Why? Why would you care for me this way? Why would you love me like this? Um, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. Let us pray. Jesus, we're grateful now as we come to the table that you are just so willing to help us get out of our Get out of the way. Jesus, help me to get out of my way. Help me not to be such a stubborn sheep. Help me to be a, a sheep that really loves to hear my shepherd's voice and want to stay close to him. Forgive me for how often I wander off, praying my kingdom come, my will be done. And uh, I'm just too proud to ask for help. So Lord, would you start revival at North Cross Church where the people who are in leadership here would admit how much help they really need to be faithful to you for their families, for their work, for this church. And it would spread from the person who's the most influential to the youngest child to say, we want to be people who know how to go low so that Jesus can get high. And we pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.